I'm Seth. I'm honored to be uh, getting to deliver the word to you this morning. I love God's word so much. I love his word. And um, I, every time that I get an opportunity to speak, I don't, I don't take it lightly. I don't count it lightly. I'm not, coming, I'm not here to, to give you a talk. This is not a TED talk. This is not an inspirational speech. I'm not trying to make you feel better about yourself. I'm here to speak the word of God. I'm here to tell you what he has said so that we might be transformed because his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And his word has the power to transform us from the inside out. Would you, would you be open to be transformed this morning? If you came to hear a speech, I'm sorry, you came to the wrong house for a speech. But before we do that, I want I wanted to share with you some really exciting news. For those of you who didn't hear before, uh, we are in the process, Lord willing, we have begun the process of purchasing a property in Post Falls for our second campus. And um, I wanted to just give you a brief update so you can continue to pray and know what direction to pray. We have begun to talk with the city and the county and uh, begin to kind of tell them some plans about what we would like to do with the property. And so far, it looks like green lights, which is a beautiful thing that the city and the county would be good with what we want to do. And um, right now, we are hoping, planning, Lord willing, to close on the facility on August 8th. And so would you, would you join with me? Would, could, could, will you continue to pray in that direction that God is going to continue to lead us? God is going to continue to make our path straight. He's gonna, his word is going to be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path, that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us every step of the way. Amen. Are you excited about the possibility of a new campus that we could even reach even more people? In, in this county? Amen. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word? Why would I have you stand for the reading of the word? <clears throat> because we revere the word of God in this house. We do not count it as like any other word of man. We do not equate it. It is higher than every word of man. And, we want to, and I want you to know that everything that I say from this point forward, now I, I, want, I want to be able to preach to you as of, the, as of the oracles of God, but you know what I know is the word of God? This. I know this is the word of God, and so we stand for it to honor it. These words are spoken by Jesus to his disciples on the night of his betrayal. And he's explaining to them, he's saying, I am going to the Father. And you can imagine, most of them are feeling probably pretty bummed. They're like, you're you're leaving us here? You're going to do all this and then leave us here? And he says this interesting thing that, I'm, that I don't know if I could wrap my head around if I was one of the disciples. He says, it is to your advantage that I go. Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I think you might be confused, Jesus. No, no, I'm sure. It's to your advantage that I go. Because he says, if I go, then the Holy Spirit will come to you. We're going to be reading from John 14, 15, 16. This is all in the same night as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. He speaks to his disciples, John 14, starting in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Continue, continuing in verse 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. 
One chapter later, same night, starting in verse 26, John chapter 15. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then John chapter 16, starting in verse 13, he continues, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. More than 17 years ago, Jonathan and Radine Owens, who you, who you may know as our lead pastors. I also know them as lead pastors, but then I also know them as mom and dad. You know, they had a vision over 17 years ago. They had a vision of a church in a good land. They had a vision of a church in a good land from whose hills you can dig copper. I don't know, but you can, you can, I don't know if you knew this, but you can dig copper up in these hills. And as they were seeking the Lord on, on what he would have this church do in this region, they received prophetic direction about these unique distinctives that this church, and by the way, I'm talking about this church, Heart of the City Church, would bring to this region. And one of those unique distinctives was that this church would bring an element of the Holy Spirit. Now, that wasn't to say that the Holy Spirit wasn't here. No, we, 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 we honored what the, the labor of so many ministers who had come before and planted seeds and broke up ground and done so much beautiful work in this region before we had come. But my parents, they see, they discerned that there was something for this church to contribute as it relates to the way that the Holy Spirit is welcomed, the way that he is received, the way that he is invited to operate in his fullness here. And so... When they planted Heart of the City Church, there was a resolve inside of them, a mission, and you may have heard it before, to be a people after God's own heart. And for them, to be a people after his heart meant that we were going to not settle for anything less than all he is and all he gives. All that he is and all that he gives. Now, why would I make the point of all that he is and all that he gives? Here, this, this is why. Because faith in Jesus Christ as the slain and risen Lord is a beautiful beginning. It is, the, it is by this faith that we are born again. How many of you are thankful to be born again? Born again. But this, that's the thing. It's, it, it is exactly that. It is a birth. It is the beginning of a new creation. A beginning of a new creation. And it is the first step on the journey, but it is not the only step on the journey. Oh, man. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh. Are you, just, are you, are you, speaking, are you speaking against the sufficiency of Christ? church who has bewitched you American church who has bewitched you to think 
that to receive the gift that Jesus sent and wanted to give us and said that it is to, his adva- to our advantage that he goes, who has bewitched you to think that to receive the gift is to take away from the glory of Christ or to take away from the sufficiency of the cross? Who has bewitched you? Hopefully no one, because hopefully you don't believe that. One of the most important steps on the journey of discipleship is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For some, it takes place at the beginning of the journey. For others, it is a much later step. But whenever it takes place, it isn't meant to be a one and done experience. You aren't meant to go, yeah, I was, I remember I was filled with the Spirit back in 19. I'm about to say a year before I was born. So this is 1984. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. I, I, I checked my little check off the box. I've been filled. Let, 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 me, let me challenge you with something. If you view being filled with the Spirit as a checkbox that happened one time and that you're just good to go for the rest of your life, let me just challenge you with, some, with something. You are meant to be filled and to be filled and to be filled and to be filled and to be filled. Paul said, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And the tense of that word is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't check him off. Pursue him, pursue him, pursue him, seek him, knock, ask, because here's why. Wherever you're at in your relationship, your walk, your understanding of the Holy Spirit, let me, let me just encourage you with something. This is very encouraging. He has more for you. He has more for you. And some of you don't believe me and I'm sad, but I'm going to try and convince you otherwise. Today, we begin a series all about the Holy Spirit. For the next five weeks, our mission is to preach, teach, and equip you for a few things, that you would know who the Holy Spirit is, because for one reason or another in the Western church, he has been neglected, and people don't like to talk, to him, talk about him because people think he's spooky or he's out of control. By the way, he's not in, contr- he's not in your control. There's an order to things, and you're not at the top of it. We want to equip you for who the Holy Spirit is. We want to see every person in this house filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're going, even me, yes, you. Even me, yes, you. Even me, who I got, who I got filled in 1984, yes, you. Filled to overflow and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. And that you would walk in his power and hear his voice. You were meant to walk in power, friends. You are meant for so much more than the American dream. That's the kiddie pool of what God has for you. Not even. That's the kiddie pool, one half filled up. I love you. I'm not mad. I'm just... Here's the thing. When I get a little bit excited, it's not because I'm angry. I'm not angry at anyone. Here, let me, can, I, can I give you a secret? Zeal for his house consumes me. And I believe that it is personally one of, the, one of the calls upon my life. Paul says, you have stirred up many of them with your zeal. I'm telling you that I, that is a word on my life. Part of my job here is to stir you up with my zeal for his house. You know what his house? I'm not, I'm not zealous for this building. Psh. I'm zealous for you. I'm zealous for his bride. I'm zealous for his people. I'm, I'm zealous for the set apart and called ones. And that's you. 
I am zealous for you and zeal for you consumes me. And so I'm not angry. I'm just trying to stir you up a little. I'm just trying to, like Hebrew says, I'm just trying to spur you on a little. You know, you know what a spur is? I'm trying to spur you on a little. I'm trying to get you moving, get you to wake up, not woke, but w- woken up. To wake up to the things of Christ, the things of the kingdom that are so much bigger than what the Western world has offered us, got us comatose, all drugged up on dopamine, on screens, so that we can be satisfied by lesser things instead of going to the well that never runs dry and always satisfies. I'm trying to wake you up from the coma that so many of us are in because we just are getting our fill from all these lesser puny things compared to what he has for us in the kingdom and in the spirit. Don't be satisfied with lesser things. He has a feast for you. Again, just zeal, not anger. Passion. Yeah. Yeah. The question that I'm seeking to answer today, this is just an introduction to this series. And that is who is the Holy Spirit first? First and foremost, he is the spirit of God. Why is that important? Because as such, he is a member of the triune God. He is one with the Father and the Son, and yet distinguished with an identity of his own. What do you mean, Seth? Well, first of all, he's equated to God throughout the Bible. Specifically, you can see it in Acts chapter 5, verse 3 through 4, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, and 2 Corinthians 3, 17. The Holy Spirit, feel this, this is so important. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. He is not a thing. He is not some kind of ethereal force. He's not a superpower. He's not a what. He's a who. Not like a Grinch who. He's a person. He's personal. How how, how can you say he's personal? Well, look at this. His mind is expressed in Romans 8, 27. His will is expressed in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. His emotion is expressed in Ephesians 4, 30. He is personal. He's not just a force. Now, why, why is this important? Because through the sending of the Holy Spirit, God has made a way to dwell inside of us. God has, God himself has made a way to dwell inside of us. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God. And he is not to be neglected, ignored, or treated as an optional supplement to the Christian life. He's not one of the things you add to your cart at checkout. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to the Christian life. Absolutely essential. And we must be filled with him. Second, the Holy Spirit is our parakletos. It's okay if you don't say amen to that because I just used a word from a different language, but I'm going to explain it to you. Jesus uses this Greek word to describe the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, from which we just read. See, a few moments ago, we actually read this description several times, but you heard the English translation of it as helper. In other Bible versions, you can see the word translated as advocate or counselor or comforter. See, the original word parakletos is a compound word made up of para, which means from close beside. Can you say that? From close beside. And kaleo, which means to make a call. Can you say that part too? To make a call. Okay. Awesome. Sorry. I should have been more clear with my instruction. The understood definition of this word would be 
two different things. One, called to one's aid, which is the idea of the helper. Or one who pleads another's cause before a judge, which is the, the idea of the advocate. See, in the culture that Jesus originally used this term to refer to the Holy Spirit, it would have been the normal cultural term for an attorney. When he spoke to the disciples, it, was, it would be like this. It would be like, I'm going to go to the Father, but don't worry, I'm going to send to you a lawyer. <laughs> Not with all the baggage, the cultural baggage that we have of that. If you're an attorney in the house, God bless you. You have the opportunity to play a very special role in people's lives if you will do so honestly, full of integrity, and led by the Spirit. Not talking, I'm here to talk about professions. In this role of parkletos, Romans 8.26 says this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Can you, can you just let that sink in real quick? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Are you offended by that? That Paul's like, yeah, we don't, we don't actually know how to pray like we ought. And I don't know how to pray exactly how. Just, just Bible, just God's word. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. How deep is that? How deep that He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words? I'm so, I'm personally so thankful for the parkletos. I don't know about you, but one of One of my most common prayers in my life is very simple. Help. Help. Now, sometimes it's in different tones, different volumes, different words before and after. But the heart of so many of my prayers is help. And this is what I take comfort in. He has sent us a helper. And this helper knows exactly what to say and what to do every time that we don't. Every time that you're about to walk into a difficult conversation where you know you have to communicate stuff that you really don't think is going to be received well, do you know that the helper is with you there? Do you know that he can, he can actually put words in your mouth? to be able to share so that you're not sharing out of the flesh and out of all your emotions, out of all your pain, out of all your baggage, but that you are actually sharing according to the will and the perspective of heaven. Do you know? Do you know that when you're coming really close to your next paycheck and you're just trying to figure out if, the, if your checking account is going to last and you're going, God, help me figure this out because I'm just not sure if we're going to make it through. Do you know that the helper is with you there? Do you know that the helper is with you there when you're in your marriage and you're like, she doesn't understand me. I don't understand her. Everything that we try to say hurts the other person and I don't know where to go from here. Do you know that the helper is with you there? And he specializes. He specializes in teaching you how to hear and how to speak. I am so thankful for our parakletos, for our helper. Third, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide. In John 14, 26 and 16, 13, we read that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. He reminds us of what Jesus has said. He guides us into all the truth. He speaks to us with the authority of God and he declares to us the things that are to come. Man. 
man, some of your faces when I'm sharing those things, it's just not an appropriate response. How many of you want to hear the voice of God? If you are still frowning, what are you doing? Wake up, please, please. In the name of Jesus, wake up. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to empower you. He wants to change everything about you for his glory. Um, I mean, that that sounds all right. Come on. How many of you want to have the words of Jesus hidden in your heart? How many of you, how many of you in, in, in 2023 want to know the truth? <laughs> I want to know the truth. I want to live the truth. I want to walk in the truth. And even to know the things that are to come. Let's amens on that one. <laughs> People are like, I don't know if I want to tap into that. Well, he has it for you. He has it for you. Some of you are afraid for him to share with you the things that are to come because you don't actually believe that he's for your good. Some of you are, some of you are going, well, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds really scary. His heart towards you is kind. His heart towards you is life. He has good things in store for you. When he says that we have access to know the things that are to come, we do not need to be afraid. That is a spirit of fear, and it has no place. It has no place. When he says, I want to declare to you the things that are to come, you should be like, heck yeah, he's got good plans. And you're like, are you preaching the prosperity gospel? No, I'm preaching the word of God. He's got good plans. Come on. I don't know. That's saying that God has good thoughts toward me, so it must be the prosperity, health, and wealth gospel. Give me a break. Can that be abused? Sure. But the truth is the truth. Don't throw out the truth because of abuse. Give me a break. Don't throw out the truth because you've been disappointed when you didn't see it materialize in your life. It's still the truth. Why would you take God's word and put it beneath your experience? Just zeal, not anger. I'm zealous for you because I love you. That's, that's what drives my zeal. I want to see you walk in so much fullness. I want to, I, I want to see the, I want to see my kids and the kid, all our kids surpass us so greatly in moving in the signs and wonders and the power of God and the truth of God. Do, do you not? Or are you just sitting there like, well, this world's getting worse and worse. And uh, I hope my kids just kind of make it through. Can you just can you just pray with a little bit of faith that God wants to do something beautiful through the next generation? Can we just speak a little bit of prophetic life over Generation Z and over Generation Alpha? Just say, well, they're all headed to hell in a handbasket. Well, maybe if you keep saying that, they are. How about you agree with God's word instead of your emotions and what you're seeing in the media and on news? Agree with the word of the Lord. 
Not with all this garbage that we're constantly fed to keep us asleep and quiet. Gen Z will be marked with revival. Generation Alpha will be marked with revival. Generation Z and Gen... We are, gonna, we are going to see a move of God in these generations like never before. And would you just believe it with me, for goodness sake? Instead of, instead of going, oh, you're just being sensationalist and emotional, just believe something good about the future, for goodness sake. Agree with God. Agree with God. Jesus, help me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. In Acts 1, Jesus gives his financial, financial. <laughs> Holy Spirit, this is, I need your help. <laughs> Fill my mouth. He gives his final instruction. Final to the disciples before, before he ascends to heaven. And starting in verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Then he goes on to say in verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power. In the very next chapter, his words are fulfilled. <clears throat> Acts chapter two, starting in verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were filled, were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So much of this, of this nation and the church in this nation and in this Western world have somehow crossed out those those scriptures or explain them away, torn them out of the book. We can't afford to tear out one word. Not now. See, this moment is the birth of the New Testament church. Did you know that? This is the birth of the church, the Holy Spirit's descension upon the disciples, what they were waiting for. Jesus goes, you got to wait. I'm sending the helper, and then you guys are going to be able to do the thing. This is the promise that Jesus told the disciples to wait for. He knew that the, that the Holy Spirit would produce in them power to be witnesses. You know the other translation of the word witnesses? Martyrs. Ooh, see, in the United States of America, we just were like, that's, that's, for, the, uh, that's for the nations. Maybe. Maybe. He knew that they were going to come up against the worst of the worst and that they needed power in order to walk in those places. Power to preach the gospel and power to make disciples of all the nations. For over 2,000 years, this power has been expressed in many ways. Some of you have heard 
that, that the power expressions stopped. For 2,000 years, his power has continued to be expressed through his people. I'll, ha- I'll, I'll have you know it. I'll, ha- I'll have you know it. Expressions like prophecy. Expressions like the speaking of tongues. Healing. The raising of the dead. It's not a fairy tale. It's a commission. The deliverance from demonic oppression. No, that was for back when things were... That's, that's, that's for back when, when things... When, when they like worshipped idols and things and they were like... That, that, was for, that was for when, the, you know, the people were, were dabbling in like dark... Sp- Deliverance from demonic oppression. So many other ways. These are just a few. I'm just, I'm just trying to name off. You know why I'm naming off those few? Because so many in the Western church, it has become a widespread tradition to neglect or even deny Holy Spirit power. See, in the early church, this kind of power was just everyday Christianity. Why would we settle for anything less? Why would you? Why would you settle for anything less than his fullness? God wants you to walk in his fullness. And a significant, critical part of you walking in fullness is for you to be full of his spirit. full of his spirit full of his spirit and walking in the power that his spirit brings some of you some of you some of you I think are believing that you're walking in fullness because you speak in tongues you know there's this interesting paraphrase of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 13 It's like, it goes like this. Nobody cares if you speak in tongues if you're a jerk in English. Don't be offended. I said the J word. If you're unkind in English. Sorry. Wouldn't want to offend your sensibilities. You might be asking, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, like I said earlier, the first step in the journey is for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. The word says that when we put our faith in Jesus, we are born again of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. Listen, if you are saved, I'm I'm not talking about being devoid of the Spirit if you are not full. you You can have the Holy Spirit and not be full. You are, when you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit, but there's a difference. There's, there's... Oh man, do I I have to get into this? I think I do. They're appointing servants. They're appointing these people to serve. And part of what they were, of the qualification, they needed to be full of wisdom and full of spirit. They were talking about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There were plenty of believers in the house who were not full. I'm not saying you're devoid. I'm not saying you don't have them. I'm not saying you personally are not full, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to ask the question, am I full? Because full looks like something. It sounds like something. It expresses like something. 
So this is step one. Listen, there is a God who loves you. There's a God who loves you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. There's another lie out there that says that that's not true. It's the truth. He knit you together in your mother's womb. No, get this, get this, get this. He saw your unformed substance. And they're trying to tell us it starts with a heartbeat. He saw your unformed substance. And at that point, he intimately knew you and all the pages of your book were filled. Your unformed substance. The hard thing is that you were born into a world that is broken. You you were born into a, a world of brokenness. It's broken because it's been devastated by the effects of sin. Sin is wrongdoing. Sin is, is action and thought that is outside of God's design. And here's the thing. Oh, this is hard. Each one of us have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's the harder part. When we sinned, we were separated from God because he is holy and set apart. But here's the good thing. He was not content to be separated from you. And so at just the right time, he sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, to come and walk a perfect life, the spotless lamb, to die on your behalf, to take away the sin of the world, to pay you, to pay for the consequence that you deserve and he, that he might reconcile you to the Father. And here's the good part. It doesn't just end at his death. Three days later, he rose again. He was resurrected and now, and then he ascended and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and now he reigns as king. And that is the gospel. He is reigning, and every enemy will be put under his feet, and then he will hand the king, he will hand the kingdom back over to the Father so that he may be all in all. This is our story. This is your inheritance. And what is our part? He's kind of done it all. This is what Paul says. This is what the word of God says through the hand of Paul. If you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you would believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give an opportunity for any person who has not committed their life to Jesus, put all their hope, all their trust, all their faith in Jesus as the slain and risen Lord to do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, you know that you are not in that state of commitment to Jesus. Pray this with all of your heart. And church, would you pray with me? Pray with us. Father, I know that I've messed up, that I've sinned against you, that I broke your heart. I was separated from you. But I thank you that you were not content with that separation. And you made a way for us to be close once again. Today, I confess my sin. I repent from it. And I give my life to you alone. I confess Jesus as Lord. And I believe that you raised them from the dead. Everything I am, I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that this morning, making that commitment to Jesus for either the first time or 
you had walked away from him and you want to return to his arms today, we want to celebrate you and we want to walk with you in this journey with Christ. Would you raise your hand right now so that we can honor you and celebrate you and recognize you? I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand real high if that's you. Amen. Sir, uh, before the end of the gathering, I'll just encourage you, the, the, the Lowry's over here, this wonderful couple under the cross, they wanna pray with you. They wanna talk to you about next steps, what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And before you leave, make sure to, to talk with them. We just wanna become your family. Church, would you stand? See, some of you thought because I gave the salvation altar call that we were done. But I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you because he's not done with you. If you have put your faith in Jesus and you don't know whether you are full of his spirit, you don't need to be intimidated or fearful or ashamed. This is, this is beautiful news. Luke 11 says this, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Altar team, will you come forward? If you want to be filled today, you know what Jesus says? He says, ask the Father. You don't have to make it, you don't have to make it all, all weird and like an equation or a formula. You ask the Father, it is His good pleasure. He's a good dad and He loves giving you good gifts. He loves to give you His Spirit. If you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, I'd encourage you to come forward right now and receive prayer. You can start coming. These leaders want to pray with you and, and they want to join with you. They want to lay hands on you and join with you in asking the Father to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Now, I do want to say this, many times, many times when a person is filled with the Spirit, there is observable evidence that this is happening. In the book of Acts, the evidence sometimes includes prophesying, which means being a mouthpiece for God and saying the words of God inspired by God. God is speaking through you, okay? Declaring the greatness of God, another word you might see is extolling, or speaking the word of God with boldness, which are all amazing and precious things that you may experience as you are filled with the Spirit. But the, mo the most common initial evidence that we see in the book of Acts is the speaking of tongues. We aren't here to force it. We aren't here to coerce it. We're not gonna try to make you. We don't teach that, you, that you, if you don't speak in tongues that you're not filled. But let me just tell you from my own heart and from, and from the scriptures, it's a beautiful gift. The Bible says that when we pray in tongues, that we actually build ourselves up and that it's a language communicating directly between us and God and it's not even for men. It is a beautiful gift that I personally have been greatly encouraged by for over 25 years in my own life. I speak in tongues, yes, I speak in tongues, and I am greatly built up by speaking in tongues. You can call that weird if you want to, but it's, I, I just believe the scriptures. I just believe what the Bible says. Now, if you hear other people around you speaking in tongues, and if you, if you yourself experience this, please, 
Don't feel ashamed or embarrassed or weirded out. It's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed about. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. However, I will, I will make this caveat. Sometimes people seem to make being filled with the Spirit all about tongues. They make it all about tongues. And I want to tell you that that is not what He is all about. When He fills you, you will receive power. And if you allow it, that power will infiltrate every part of your life. Every part. Not just the heavenly language, but every act, every thought, every attitude, everything you are will be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about tongues. So again, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you don't know, you don't, if you honestly don't know if you're full, I would just encourage you, come receive prayer from these leaders. We wanna join with you in that prayer and asking the Father. And we're actually gonna sing to the Lord right now and, and we're gonna pray this prayer with you through song.